Uh, in case you're unaware, we have a website, therock-ag.com, and there you can check out the sermons that have been preached. And we've been in the middle of a series, and the series has been focused on the response, the way people responded to the Messiah, right? The way people responded to the birth of Jesus Christ, to Emmanuel, God with us. Throughout this series, we noticed two responses. We saw the response of the wise men. They were Gentiles who saw a star. They responded to the revelation and began a journey. And we saw in them the response of true believers, of people who believed. Then the following week, which was last week, we noticed the response of Herod, the ruler, Herod, the king appointed by Rome. And we noticed that he responded in fear, that he chose to operate in deception, which ultimately led to murder. And there are, we, we, we realize that, hey, when we respond in fear and we choose deception over the truth, it ultimately, ultimately leads to great tragedies and atrocities. Most of the tragedies that you see in the history of humanity have been because there has been an operation of fear that has led to accept a lie as truth, right, that leads to murder. So we talked about Herod, and we said that we would be operating like Herod if we choose our comforts over the truth. Herod chose his comfort, his authority, over the truth of the fact that the real Messiah, the real king, was born. And, uh, and so we don't want to respond like Herod, who was an opponent to the kingdom. We, we want to respond more like the true believers, who are the wise men who believed and moved forward. And today, we want to dive into the response of the shepherds, the response of the shepherds. And that story we find in Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up the scripture there in verse 8. And it reads this way. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. I'm going to stop there and kind of, uh, when you look at that scripture, and an angel of the Lord appeared, the word appeared could rightly be translated, and an angel of the Lord stood by them. Some of your translations would, would say that, stood by them, or appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Here in the scripture, you find the response 
of the shepherds. And in order to really understand the response of the shepherds, I think we have to culturally understand who were shepherds during this time. Who were they? How were they perceived? What were they about? And why did God choose these shepherds to reveal such a glorious revelation? You ever read portion of scripture and you say, man, I wish I was there when that happened? Huh? Just portions of scripture where it's like, man, that had to be awesome. Right? God transfiguring himself and all of a sudden Peter seeing the glory of Jesus Christ. Or when Elijah calls fire down from heaven. Right? You're like, like to see that. Here is one of these scenes that are just incredible where an angel of the Lord stands by them. Then they see the heavenly host praising God right in the field where they are at. But who are the shepherds and why, why them? Well, culturally speaking, when you recognize the culture of, of shepherds back in those days, they were actually a part of what many considered a despised class. Class. Throughout the history of, of Israel, there were a nomadic people. In other words, they always took care of sheep. At times it was something that was wealthy people did. At times there were people who didn't have wealth would do. Uh, but at this point in the history of the Jew, in the history of, of Israel, uh, to be a shepherd was something that was not sought after. It was not lucrative living. So matter of fact, people who were shepherds were people who had to have more than one occupation. Oftentimes, they not only took care of sheep, but they also had to have crops and multiple crops in order to just make a living. And now, notice too that the topography and the, uh, the, the way that the land of Israel is, is that oftentimes some of these areas had drought and famine, and so sheep had to be taken to where there was food for them to eat, grass for them to eat. So they were really nomads in the sense that they followed they kind of had to lead the sheep where there was green pastures. So they would often leave their home to be with these sheep, which is part of their income, to lead them to remote places so that they could eat. Shepherds had to watch their sheep all the time. They couldn't just give their sheep over to somebody else because somebody else wasn't going to take care of their income as much as they would. It's like saying, hey, why don't you work 40 hours for me? You know, take care of this for me, right? So they had to take care of their income. Also, at this time, shepherds were not trustworthy, stereotypically speaking. It was known that shepherds were known to take other sheep. Alongside these realities and the amount of work that they had to do, there was also the danger of being a shepherd. You had to deal with scoundrels who may attack you in the middle of the night. You may have to deal with, a, uh, with wild beasts you know, who may try to attack the sheep in the middle of the night. This was tough, tough living. Not only was it tough from that perspective, but it was also tough spiritually. Spiritually, religiously speaking, because the nature of the work didn't allow them to go to church, for lack of better terms. Because they weren't allowed to go to church, they were looked at as an, a, a, a lesser class, an unworthy, and more shame was put on them because they weren't able to go to the temple and do the services that Jews were required uh, to, to be a part of. Alongside that, because of their testimony, their inability, to be in, uh, uh, their inability to be in temple services, they were also not a, their witness in court was not accepted. People not trust 
the witness or the testimony of a shepherd. That's, that's a pretty tough reality. But you know what we also know about shepherds? God constantly identifies himself as a shepherd. Isn't that incredible? When you read scripture, you find God describe himself this way. O shepherd of Israel, Psalm 80, the psalmist says, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Jeremiah 31, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his, keeps his flock. Ezekiel 34, verse 15. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will uh, bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And John 10, verse 11 on down. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am, but I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life. For the sheep. Isn't that incredible? God reveals himself to us, the shepherd. Now, here's something also very interesting about these shepherds. Their location, where they were, is very significant. More than likely, because they were that close to Bethlehem, during that time, there was a law in place that any animals, any sheep that was around that area was to be offered in sacrifice. Now, look at the irony here. Here are shepherds taking care of sheep, sheep that were used to be sacrificed to God. Lambs that were used to be sacrificed to God. And the angels show up, and they announce to them the Lamb of God. I just find that ironic. Obviously, they don't reveal to them that he, the Lamb of God, that Jesus the Messiah is the Lamb of God. But I find that ironic that God is revealing himself to sheep, shepherds who are taking care of sheep that are possibly going to be offered at the temple. I just think that's just pretty incredible. Now, what do we see about the response of the shepherd? When we read the story, what is that we need to understand about their response? Let me just say this, the response of the shepherds is the response of true witnesses. The shepherds respond like true witnesses. Number one, the first thing that happens is that God reveals himself to them. And I want you to take note, they were terribly afraid. They were in great dread, some translations would read, in great fear. Someone said, and you heard this before, a picture paints a thousand words. It also could be said that a picture could paint a thousand wrong words. The wrong picture has had the wrong effect on cultures, and you can see this over and over and over again. 
It is a dangerous thing to put imagery to certain scripture and then publish it universally. Let me explain what I mean. Have you thought of the ramifications of a blonde, blue-eyed Jesus in Africa? Have you thought of the ramifications of a blonde, blue-eyed angels in Asia? What could that communicate to them? And what does that mean to them in regards to whether they be, this God is their God? Right? Now, a picture can paint a thousand words, but it can paint the wrong words. And here... When we think of the manger scene, and when we think of these, this scene where the angels reveal themselves, all, all, each and every one of us have a picture. Some of that has come from our imagination, which is good. I believe that God wants us to have an imagination. God, it's, a vision, it's very visionary. He wants us to envision things. But I think some things have been passed down from generations past. Things that don't even, they're not even biblical, right? We don't really see an example in the Bible of angels with wings, we don't ever see an example of angels with beautiful curly blonde hair, right? Or, or, or flying in the air with instruments and flowy robes and halos. Those are all things that have been passed down to us from the Middle Ages. Images, you know, images that have been passed down to us that don't necessarily, that could, let me just say this. I'm not saying that they're heretical and that they're going to damn us to hell, those images. But I am saying that they may rob us from the reality of Scripture. Here is an example of where we may have been robbed in Scripture. The Bible says that the angel stood. The angel appeared to them. And it wasn't a, oh, look at that flowy, beautiful angel. It's just so beautiful to see It's so incredible. I'm just overwhelmed by its beauty, and it just feels great. No, the Bible says the angel appeared, and they were like afraid. Right? I mean, just imagine being there, and if it stood, which is the right translation, stood, appeared, appeared, meaning it stood among them. It's like, whoa! What is this? And they were massive beings. Whatever they looked like, whatever massive may have been, All we know is that as we look through Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that when God reveals himself, it's a thing that brings fear to men. God reveals himself to Daniel, a man after God's heart, through angels. And God had to reassure him three times, do not be afraid, I am with you. God reveals himself to Mary, and he says, do not be afraid, I am with you. God reveals himself to Isaiah, and Isaiah says, whoa, I'm in trouble, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwelt among the unclean people. And God had to reassure Isaiah. God reveals himself to Joshua, right? As Joshua's about to come against Jericho, and here is the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn out. And Joshua says, so are you for us or for our enemies? He says, neither. I am, a ca- I am the captain of the armies of the living God. And he bows down in worship. Listen, this was a terrifying scene of God's glory. And terrifying, not meaning a terror of death and destruction like a horror film, but terrifying in the sense of, we got to redeem this word, of reverence, overwhelmed of the reality that God and his reality and his kingdom is greater than anything that we have seen or ever experienced. And the angel's reassured the shepherd do not be afraid do not be afraid and then 
they tell them the good news. And after they tell them the good news, they not only see one angel, but they all of a sudden, their eyes are open to a heavenly host who are singing the praises of God. How many of y'all think that would have been awesome to witness? Right? Just an incredible reality. So, they witnessed the supernatural, supernatural revelation of God, and they were terrified. They were terrified. They were afraid. They were reassured by the angels. And this is why I would say they respond. Uh, let me just say this. This is how they respond like true witnesses. A person who witnesses for Jesus, a person who shares the good news, a person who has a testimony worth testifying, is a person who says, I know God not because of me, but because God revealed himself to me. This has been a reoccurring theme in every single message that we've preached in this series. Not that these shepherds showed up before God, but that God showed up in their midst. Their testimony begins this way. Hey, man, we were just taking care of sheep, and all of a sudden, this is what happened. This is what took place. Every good testimony begins this way. This is what God has done. Are you with me? Every good testimony begins with this. This is what God has done. Second, Not only did they receive this revelation and speak of the fact that God, not only did they, you know, kind of take, took ownership of the fact, hey, God revealed himself. This didn't begin with me. This began with God revealing himself. Second, the revelation of God led to a new journey. The revelation of God led to a new journey. The angel said, hey, don't be afraid. I just came to give you really good news. Let me tell you, the son of God has just been born and he's going to be bring peace. It's going to be glorious. And all of a sudden, all of the angels, yes, it is going to be glorious. Now, here's the cool thing about this. The angels are seeing this for the first time, too. They weren't in on the plan. God is doing this stuff. And as he's doing it, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then in the process, God's like, okay, you guys, go tell those shepherds what I'm doing. Could you imagine? Because they don't know this stuff. The Bible says only God. It was a mystery. And that God's revealing this mystery through us. Right now, as we're doing life and accepting the kingdom of God, we, what, we, what we do on earth is God manifests through us is revealing things to the heavenly host. That's pretty awesome. So the Bible says in Ephesus and in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians. And so then what did they do? They received the good news. And did they say, well, that's great. That's all I need. Now they begun a journey. True witnesses, they respond to the revelation, and they begin a new journey. They start a new journey. They had a choice. They could have said, well, okay, they told us that, but we're not going to go there. They could have said, you know, hey, glad to know. I'm just, you know, I've had enough for today. But instead, what did they say? Hey, guys, you think we should go and uh, check this out? I <laughs> mean, Right? No, they said, let us go and witness this thing that has been told us. And immediately they begin this new journey. Let me express this to you. When God reveals himself to us, we have a choice. We have a choice of responding to his revelation or walking away from that revelation. 
If you and I were honest, we can look back in our lives and say, boy, there were times where God was trying to get my attention and I didn't respond. Anybody with me? There were times where we could say, you know, God opened this window of opportunity for me to respond to his great grace and I didn't and I make some big mistakes. God, it's con- he is constantly in the business of revealing himself but he also waits for us to respond. These shepherds responded as true witnesses. They received the revelation, and they started a new journey. That journey was a journey of their call. They knew that they had new purpose. They had new life, and it took priority over the flock and everything that they were doing. When you receive fully what God is doing in your life, Jesus becomes number one priority. Jesus becomes number one priority, and he takes you on a journey. Not only did they respond by going on a new journey, But they also had a hunger for more. They could have just stayed there. But instead they said, man, if God revealed all these things to us, let's go see what he said he was going to do. And can I say this to you? I hope you get this. If you don't get anything else, I hope you get this. When you experience, when you encounter God and his presence, it's going to make you so much more hungry for him. When you get in that place, in your secret place, in your room where you're praying to God or at the church experiencing the presence of God with the believers and you genuinely experience the very presence of God, it increases your hunger for his presence. I can tell you that the moment that I experienced the presence of God, it was like, whoa, this is awesome. And then, whoa, is there more? Is there more? Because if there's more, I want more of this. I want more of God's presence and what he has for me. And I want to encourage you. Know this, God wants to reveal himself. God wants you to sense his presence in your life. And you need that in your life because you need that hunger for him to increase and to supersede every other hunger that remains. Anybody with me today? May the hunger for God in his presence overwhelm every other hunger that lives in the flesh. Not only did they respond and started a new journey and hungered for more, and we're going to close with this, they testified to the revelation that they received. So they went on their journey, verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now here's Mary and Joseph. How many of y'all think that Joseph throughout this nine-month pregnancy maybe struggled in his mind with the whole deal? Right? Struggled with everything that was going on and everything that God had said. And I believe that they themselves needed ministering too, particularly here, Mary. There they are in a manger. Nobody's bringing them in. Nobody has a room for them. And you just got to think, Lord, is this? (laughs) I know what you said, but this is like your son. I'm just thinking there's got to be a better place for the son of the king of the world. But here we are in a manger. This doesn't make any sense. But here comes the true, here comes the shepherds. And what did they say? Everything that the angel had revealed, what did they do? They affirmed the call of God over Joseph and Mary. Mary cherished it in her heart. 
means that she was encouraged, she was lifted up by it, and she held tight to it to carry her throughout this tough season that was going to be followed, by the way, by terrible dreams where God was telling them, go to Egypt, go here, don't go here, because this one's out to take his life. Think about the season that's about to unfold in Joseph and Mary's life, right? But here they are being affirmed. A true witness, a true witness, a person who has a testimony of Jesus knows this. It begins with what God has done. Secondly, they start a new journey. They start a new journey. Third, they give witness of the message. They tell the meat of the message and not focus on themselves. Notice that the shepherds, they didn't say, Joseph and Mary, we're here to tell you how special we are. We are prophets. We're anointed. And uh, God revealed this thing to us because we're special. <laughs> so we need you to receive that we're special so that you can re- receive the special message that we have for you. But first, you have to come to grips with the reality of our specialty. <laughs> you know, they didn't have a business card to all of a sudden that they were just passing out. You know? No. They focused on the message of God and what he had said. They weren't announcing themselves. They didn't care to announce themselves. They just announced what God had done. A true testimony makes much of what God has done, not of who we are. Can I say that? Be careful of people who walk around with business cards announcing their spiritual gift. A friend of mine said there was a man that came to his office and said, Pastor, I'm a prophet and a Levite come from the Levite tribe. For those of you who don't know, the Levites were the ones responsible for the temple and caring for the temple. And he looked at the pastor and says, I'm a pastor and a a prophet and a Levite. And I have a word for your church. And I know that I'm supposed to be used in your church. And you have to give me permission to stand in your pulpit and preach. And my pastor friend looked at him and said, awesome, you're a Levite? We've been looking for Levites because in the Bible, Levites clean the church. We got a mop, and we got a bucket for you. There's so much cleaning that needs to take place. Thank you for responding to the call of God. <laughs> that guy, like, didn't come back, <laughs> right? <laughs> a true testimony begins with God and ends with God. This is what God has done. This is what God has said, and I'm just a vehicle of his goodness. I'm just glad to be a part of this and share this good news. They shared the good news, and as they left, They left glorifying God for what he had done. In the shepherds, I see the response of true witnesses in this. God revealed himself. That revelation led to a new journey in him. They witnessed about God and what he had done. And as they left, they left glorifying God and thanking God because of what he did and what he had revealed. Would you stand with me today? As we close this morning, when I think of um, when I think of my life, I pray that my life. You know, people say, "Hey, about my life and the life of those who come to the Rock of You," that people would say, "You know, that person really encountered God one day. It changed the way that they li- did life. It started. They started on a new journey." Wherever they went, they made much of Jesus. 
in what he did. And all through life, they gave thanks to God for what he had revealed. That's a testimony. That's a life worth living. Anybody with me today? I want to live that life for him. I want to be a true witness that gives him glory and honor. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, today we come before you and we say that we want to be like the shepherds. We want to be like the shepherds, Lord. (laughs) We want to respond to your revelation, begin a new journey with you, testify of your goodness, and every day give thanks for all that you've revealed. We want to be true witnesses of the kingdom of God. Lord God, I pray for each and every one of us that you would use us, God, for your glory to testify of your goodness and to make much of your name. Father, I pray that you would give us new vision for life. I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself. And Lord God, that you would awaken us. You would awaken us to you in a very tangible way, very life-changing, radical way. God, that we would live our lives giving you thanks in all things. So we're praying today with every head bowed and every eye closed today. You're here today and you're saying, you know what, I, I really need an encounter with God. I'm in a point in my life where I need God to reveal himself to me. And Again, I need God to, I've been praying to God about certain things and um, I'm just at a place where I feel far from him. I want you to know that God is not far from you. He loves you. And I believe that today if we can partner and come in agreement and pray with you, say, Lord, reveal yourself to your servant, that God will begin to show you how he's speaking to you and the way that he's trying to get your attention. So if that's you today and you're saying, I want to encounter with God, with Jesus. I need, I need to hear how he speaks to me. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, for my brothers and sisters who are here today, Lord God, I pray for your presence, for the power of your Holy Spirit. And we come in agreement where two or three are gathered in your name. There you will be. And we stand in one accord. And I pray, God, reveal yourself. Open the eyes and open their eyes and their ears to hear how you speak to them. May this week be a week of revelation. They will know that you love them, that you care for them. God, they would see how you're speaking to them through your Bible, through your word, through relationships, through the workplace. Minister in a very special way. I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. One more call. You're here today, and you're saying, I want to live my life making much of Jesus' name. I'm here today because... Uh, Someone said to me while I was studying in ministry at Southeastern University, they looked at me in the face and they said, I want to be a part of a no-name revival where only Jesus gets the glory. I want to be, do life with people that do things for the kingdom in such a way that only Jesus gets the glory. And when that person said that to me, I said, whoa. Man, I've never met anybody who actually said that. They want to be part of a no-name revival. They want no credit. They just want to exalt Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if the church bought into that? (laughs) I said, I got to be a part of that. 
You're here today and you're saying, Jesus, whatever needs to happen, that I, your name may be exalted. Would you lift your hand? My life, would you, would you lift your hand right now? You're saying, whatever needs to happen so that your name would be exalted in my life, do it, Lord. If that's you, you're sensing the Lord is calling you to respond to that reality. Let's pray and let's close. Take our lives, Lord. Take our lives, Lord. We say we want to be a part of a no-name revival. Bring glory to your name through our lives. Let our lives be a lamp for you. And let the fire that burns within be the fire of your presence. The way that we do family life, the way that we bless our children, the way that we live our lives at work, God, take our lives and glorify your name. We say, God, we want to care less about being remembered, and we want to care more about the glory of your name. We want to care more about making much of who you are. Take our lives and make us useful for your kingdom in a deeper way. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. May your life be a conduit the presence of God. Amen. God bless you. Have a good Sunday.